Welcome back to the Clutch Factor Sports Show. My name is Joseph Meyer. So glad to be with you again today. We are reacting to week eight of the NFL season, going over the biggest storylines and answering the question, is Mike White of the New York Jets the next Tom Brady? What a weekend it was. Let's get right into it. This week we had some big matchups between top tens, and this was highlighted by that amazing Thursday night game between two NFC heavyweights. We had some crucial divisional matchups as well as a few huge upsets. We'll start it off with the finest five as we always do. Reminder that these are five games that stood out to me this week. Number one's obviously got to be the Packers versus the Cardinals. I mean, this was a great game. It was a fun game to watch. And honestly, I think the Packers showed in this one that they are the best team in the NFL. They flexed their run game and their ability to control the ball. A lot of their offense historically has run through Rodgers, throwing it to Devontae Adams, throwing it up. He'll be there somewhere. And not too much based on the run game. However, in this one, they held the ball for 37 minutes compared to only 22 minutes for the Cardinals. A.J. Dillon put on a show in this one. He had some clutch runs with 16 carries for 78 yards. And Aaron Jones just had a great game. 59 yards on the ground and 51 through the air with 10 catches. Even without Devontae Adams, the Packers were able to look like the far better team in this game. Now, I know it came down to the end still, but the way that they managed to control the clock, make every play, it looked like they were in control the entire time. I really like what they did. Cardinals, they had struggled in this game to be consistent on offense. And I know that DeAndre Hopkins went out and he's not a big part of their offense on Thursday night. But they couldn't get the running game going. They couldn't get the passing game going. And Kyler Murray honestly just made a few bad throws. Um, he made some bad reads and he was not getting out of the pocket. Their run game, they only had 74 yards on the ground. And Kyler Murray only had 21. That is much lower than he usually does he just looked uncomfortable out there with the Packers defense coming at him. And I'm not super concerned about it. I think that in future weeks, he's going to be able to get it together. And honestly, I think he might still be the front runner for MVP. But he looked shaken in this game. He looked like he didn't know what he was doing out there. And, and credit that Packers defense for putting him in that situation. Now, the glimmer of hope for the Cardinals is that they were within one play of winning this game, even with that super poor offensive night and just looking like the lesser team. Speaking of that last play, let's talk about it for a bit. So the Cardinals are lining up. We know there's one play left to throw in the end zone. Otherwise, they're going to kick the field goal. A.J. Green is lined up outright. He runs out, and for whatever reason, he looks like he's expecting there to be a run. And I'm not sure if that was a miscommunication or that there was an audible or some sort of um, problem at the line of scrimmage. But, I mean, that guy's got to know that you're not running the ball in this situation. You don't have any timeouts left. So... I think most of the mistake has to be on A.J. Green. It may have been a bad throw by Kyler Murray. He shouldn't have thrown that ball, I guess. But A.J. Green has to be ready for that. He is a veteran. They are clearly not running the ball on that play. He just doesn't even turn around. He's full block mode. And then you got to give credit to Rasul Douglas, a great interception by him. I love the awareness. He sees A.J. Green coming at him. He's ready to snag that ball out of the air and win the game for his team. Obviously, this loss is not a super huge concern for the Cardinals. Um, they're still 7-1. They still look good. But 
their biggest concern right now has got to be Kyler Murray's health. He left the game in a walking boot. That's probably just a preventive measure. But man, that's got that's got to hurt to see your MVP caliber quarterback walk off in a boot and look shaken up. They need him. He is the identity of their team. They need him to be out there on every Sunday and playing to his best if they want to make a run at the Super Bowl this year. For the Packers, they just flex their muscles in this game. And outside of that fluke game week one against the Saints um, where they got blown out, they have looked like the best team in the league. Um, And I think that's where they are right now. They have the resume. They beat the Cardinals, who I thought were the best team in the league up to this point. And they've looked great. Aaron Rodgers is having fun. Even without Devontae Adams in this one, they looked just dominant on offense. They're able to run the ball. They're able to throw the ball. Their defense has looked much improved. Um, They looked super prepared for this game. They looked like they had a game plan in place. They knew what they were going to do, and they executed very well. They've done by far the best of any team at stopping Kyler Murray, and they got the victory because of it. Next up, let's move on to Titans versus Colts. This one was a huge win for the Titans. They gained complete control of the division, moved to 6-2, and two, while the Colts are still sitting at 3-4. and four. I think if you're a Titans fan, you are so happy that this is finally the year where you're putting it together, it seems like. And then you see Derrick Henry go out, and he's probably going to be out for the year. That is just a huge, huge loss. Like I talked with Kyler Murray Derrick Henry is the entire identity of this team. They do not have enough players on other parts of their team to continue this level of excellence without him. And that's got to be just heartbreaking. I still like what Ryan Tannehill and the offense can do, but when you don't have a guy that can break for a touchdown any moment of any game, defenses are going to play you differently. And I think Derrick Henry was very, very vital to the way that they played offense. As far as the Colts go, they're still somehow three and five, which leaves them one game out of a wild card spot in the AFC. They have looked super good at some points in this season, don't get me wrong. However, they just aren't making enough big plays to get them wins. And eventually you got to start winning games. This league is about winning. Carson Wentz continues to do Carson Wentz things. He'll go out there and throw for 230 yards and three touchdowns, but then he has two terrible, terrible interceptions. I'm just not sure where the Colts go with Carson Wentz as of now. He looks like a guy that's going to make their offense a lot more dynamic. Looks like he's going to give them a much better chance to win games. But then they're sitting there at three and five saying, where are those wins coming from? We are paying a lot of money to you. We traded a lot of draft capital for you. We need to start seeing the wins coming. I mean, they don't have much more flexibility. They lose three, four more games. They're not making the playoffs this year. And they were able to make the playoffs last year with Phillip Rivers, who was going into decline. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor and the run game is still looking very good. And so they can kind of base their offense on that. But they need Carson Wentz to make these plays. He is able to make them. I know that he has the talent to do so. But some of the decision-making and some of these throws just put them in a position where they're sitting there going, Carson, we need you to step up and play well enough to win us games and not give the ball over to other teams. I think there's two two ways you can look at this. He had two interceptions. One of them was, was the pick six in the goal line. That one, I would say, is probably the offensive line's fault, maybe the play caller's fault. Um, he just didn't have time to throw the ball to an open receiver, and he was able to avoid the safety and just throw it away. 
a lot of times that's just going to drop to the ground and they're going to luck out. Unfortunately, the Titans were able to grab it and run it straight into the end zone. However, that one actually might have saved the game and gave them a chance to win because if Carson takes a safety there or an intentional grounding penalty in the end zone, Titans get the two points and they get the ball back um, and then just control the clock from there and win the game. So although I don't like the pick six there, I think it was the best decision to throw that ball in the way he did. I don't think there were many other options. Um, It's just unfortunate that it got to be a pick six. We've come to be familiar with the way that Carson Wentz plays like that. He gets very unlucky in these circumstances. However, that other interception was just a terrible throw, throwing in a triple coverage. And that's what he has done. He's shown when it's clutch time in overtime, I'm just going to throw the ball where I think I can throw it. And if there's three defenders there, one of them's probably going to catch it and we're going to lose the game. Let's talk about some positives, though, for the Colts. Michael Pittman, he is a dog. He has established himself as a no-doubt wide receiver one in this league. He's making incredible plays game after game. Against the Titans, he had 10 catches for 86 yards and two touchdowns, as well as an amazing catch in the middle of the field. I love what Michael Pittman's been able to do. Carson Wentz has that kind of guy. We were concerned coming into the year. T.Y. Hilton's out. Um, Is Carson Wentz going to have players that he can throw to? Michael Pittman stepped up and said, I am the guy that you can do that with. On the other sideline, A.J. Brown had an amazing game as well. 10 catches for 155 yards and a touchdown. He has stepped up in a big way as well, and I think Ryan Tannehill really depends on him in the passing game to make those kind of throws. Derrick Henry was hurt, so obviously he didn't have a huge game. Um, The Colts were able to slow him down quite a bit before he got injured, Um, but Ryan Tannehill, he did enough to win the game. He had 265 yards and three touchdowns. I still don't love the idea of Ryan Tannehill playing with no running game. However, he has shown that he has able to make enough plays to win games. He's able to control the clock, get it up to A.J. Brown, and let those guys make the plays. He did throw two interceptions, which were both on him, but the Colts were not able to capitalize on those. They gave them chances to go and win the game, and Carson Wentz was not able to. Let's talk about where do the Titans go from here. I'm honestly super concerned. I didn't really think this team was a Super Bowl contender even with Derrick Henry back there and now they did sign Adrian Peterson but how much is that going to downgrade their run game it's possible that he revives his career somehow at 50 years old or however old he is now but I mean this this guy is literally the definition of Titans football at the moment when you see Derrick Henry out there you think hard running make the defense put everyone in the box to try to stop me, and then we can throw it deep if we need to. I think they're going to struggle to win games without him. I'm not saying that they will not make the playoffs because I think they've done enough already to win that division. I just don't think anyone is catching them. But once they get to that spot, are they going to be able to beat the elite teams without a strong running game? That remains to be seen. Let's talk about Carson Wentz too. I still think it was a right decision to go out and get him. However, if they do not make the playoffs... I think it definitely has to be reevaluated. There were guys in the draft that they could have moved up with those picks to get. Um, there were other guys in free agency that were less turnover prone that they could have gone and got. I really like Carson Wentz. I love watching him play. I know he has the talent to do so, but he continues to give over the ball, and I need to see more out of him before I'm sold on this Colts team. The road ahead for them is very tough, 
Um, they get the Jets and the Jaguars next two weeks. But then after that, they have the Bills, the Buccaneers, and the Cardinals. They cannot afford to go into December with already eight losses on the year. They're at five. If they lose those three games, which they probably will, that's eight losses. And, and that that's looking like nine and eight is your best possible opportunity. They need to win more games than nine if they want to make the playoffs. I'm not saying it's not possible, but I am extremely concerned for them. Number three, let's get into Bengals versus Jets. Uh, this, uh, this NFL season officially makes no sense. The Jets have been able to beat the Titans and Bengals, both top 10 teams in my opinion. But then on other weeks, it looks like nothing is working. They can't move the ball at all. The defense looks terrible and the coaching looks fireable. I don't understand it. Obviously, this was a trap game for the Bengals. Super tough loss for them. It looks really bad after they've been clicking for this amount of time. And then they struggle with a Jets team that really has failed to do anything on this year. It's possible they were looking forward to next week. They got a big matchup with the Browns. There's no excuse for losing this game. It's the Jets. It should be a free win. You shouldn't be able to be exposed by a guy that's never played a game. You've never started a game in the NFL. The most surprising part actually for this game, though, was the ability of the Jets to lock down Jamar Chase. And he did get that one touchdown, but only 32 yards, and he didn't have any of those huge impact plays that we've seen from them. Their offense has been so good because he's been able to be a deep threat and make plays, make defenses look silly out there. And he was not able to do that this week, and credit the Jets for doing so. They weren't able to stop the Patriots at all last week, but this week they came to play and they did so. Joe Burrow, he played fine. Uh, it was an off game for him, but every quarterback has them. I'm not blaming this loss on him. The interception was just a great play by Shaq Lawson. I'm not really sure why the Bengals are calling passing plays when they're up in the fourth quarter with four minutes left and it's first and 10. Really confusing play call there. And it cost them the game. The Jets are in an interesting situation here. And, and I want to talk about Mike White for a minute. This guy puts up 400 yards in a game where he is starting for the first time in his career. That is unprecedented. I mean, that just doesn't happen. I mean, maybe for some first-round picks, guys like Cam Newton, but for guys that have never played before, that just doesn't happen. And it wasn't against a bad team either. I mean, this Bengals defense has been able to shut down a lot of teams so far this year, including Lamar Jackson last week. So when you look at the stats, and granted, stats aren't everything, but just watching this game and seeing what Mike White was able to do, I mean, he clearly played better than Lamar Jackson did last week. I mean, I think that is going to earn him a chance to be a backup in the league for a long time. When you have one super good game as a backup or a late round pick, I mean, you've earned yourself a lot of money over your career with that performance. Now, I want to talk about Zach Wilson versus Mike White. When you have a guy, we've seen it before. When you have a guy come in in relief, they play, they often play well in their first game because teams haven't been able to um, game plan for them. Defenses don't really know how to play against them. But Zach Wilson has frankly looked really bad this year. And this Jets offense has looked terrible. Then comes in Mike White, who has zero expectations at all and absolutely balls out. I don't know how you're the Jets coaching staff and you don't say, we got to give this guy another chance. I mean, I jokingly compare him to Tom Brady because we saw Tom Brady, late round selection, comes in and ends up being the greatest player of all time. And he had come in 
for an injured player who was a star who was supposed to be the guy in New England. So I don't want to compare Mike White to Tom Brady because that's comical. But you got to give this guy a chance. I mean, look what he did. Granted, like I said, it's his first game. Defenses aren't prepared. But that stuff is unprecedented. You just don't play like that. And so comparing what we've seen from Zach Wilson to what we've seen from Mike White, even the last quarter and a half last week against the Patriots, Mike White had looked decent. I think you've got to give this guy a chance, in my opinion. They have the Colts up next, and then they have the Bills. So, so two super tough games there, which is concerning if you're Mike White because you want to be able to win. But I think if he wins one of those games and has another great performance, you got to keep rolling with him until something, until something goes bad. I mean, I don't know how you can justify putting in a guy who's looked really bad. Granted, he was a, he was a second overall pick. But putting in a guy that has failed to do basically anything with the Jets, when you've got this guy, Mike White, who just went out and balled out against a top 10 team. So the Jets are in an interesting position. I don't think Mike White is going to play well in the next weeks. But it's always fascinating when we see these guys, and we saw it a lot this week. We saw Trevor Simeon play decently, um, and we'll get to Cooper Rush later. But when you have a guy come in and overperform expectations, I mean, that drives storylines. That drives media. That drives the news. It gets you talking about them. I think the Jets want to be talked about at this moment. I don't think they want to be the embarrassment of the league that they have been for so long. So in my opinion, you roll with Mike White until something goes bad. And what's the worst that can happen? You have no expectations anyway. You were one of the worst teams in the league. Number four, let's talk about the Buccaneers and the Saints for a bit. This game is turning into a great rivalry between Sean Payton and Tom Brady, and I love it. Remember last year, Tom Brady got outplayed twice by the Saints in the regular season, but then he followed it up by beating them in the playoffs and knocking Drew Brees out. I mean, this game was fun to watch. It was surprising to see how well the Saints were able to respond to Tom Brady. You don't often see Tom Brady throwing two interceptions, and this Saints defense has looked really, really good. Remember last week, Last week, they just dominated the Seahawks in every facet. And then this week, even though they did give up 375 yards and four touchdowns to Tom Brady, they were able to get out with the win and make Tom Brady look not that great in multiple circumstances. Um, They stopped the run again completely. Only 71 yards for Tampa Bay as a team. Um, And then besides a big day from Chris Godwin, they really were able to keep most guys in check. Mike Evans only had 48 yards. Antonio Brown didn't play. But still, they were able to lock down most of the Bucs wide receivers. As far as the Saints offense goes, Jameis Winston was probably playing the best he's played in his career. He was keeping the ball um, out of the defenseman's hands. And it, it was really sad to see him go down because we like what they've been doing. They have a lot of promise. And... They really just don't have a guy behind Jameis Winston that's going to be able to make those plays. I like what Trevor Simeon can do, but he's not going to lead them to a Super Bowl, and that's what the Saints want to do. They have a defense that's good enough to do it. They have weapons that are good enough to do it. Alvin Kamara continues to look great. Michael Thomas is coming back. And Sean Payton is obviously one of the best coaches that we've ever seen. Sean Payton continues to impress. I mean, this guy makes it work with every single quarterback who was behind the line of scrimmage. He made Trevor Simeon look a lot better than he did in Denver. In my opinion, I think the Saints should go out and grab Cam Newton. 
I know he's not exactly what they want. He's not a game manager. And obviously that would be very weird to see Cam Newton in a Saints jersey and not a Panthers jersey. But, I mean, he's out there and they need a guy. And even if it doesn't work out, what's the worst that can happen? Give him a prove-it deal and, and try to make something happen. Sean Payton has shown that he can make it work with quarterbacks, Trevor Simeon, Jameis Winston, Teddy Bridgewater. Why can't he make it work with Cam Newton? So that's my opinion. I think they should go out and get him. Obviously, they don't have a lot of money to throw around. Their cap situation is pretty brutal. But man, the Saints are 5-2, and two, wins over the Packers in dominating fashion, and now a win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady. That's a very impressive resume there. Um, and if it wasn't for Jameis Winston, I think this team can easily say, we are a serious playoff contender, but now losing him, I'm just not so sure. It, 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 that's a really tough ask for a guy like Trevor Simeon to come in and try to lead a team to the playoffs. Right now, I think they're a playoff team, but we'll have to see how they stack up in future weeks. As far as the Buccaneers go, they'll be fine. The only concern that I would say is when they've played the big-time teams, they haven't won. Um, they did not win against the Rams, and frankly, that was their worst performance of the year. And they could not get a win against the Saints. I think they'll be fine. They had five losses last year and got to the playoffs and went on a crazy run. So I'm not too concerned about that. But they do need to start beating some quality opponents here soon um, if they want to earn the respect that other teams like the Packers, like the Saints, like the Cardinals, and the Rams have earned. And I think the injury bug has affected the Buccaneers a lot lately, too. Uh, Rob Gronkowski got hurt in the middle of this game again. Their secondary is still just riddled with injury. Um, so once they can get healthy, I'm not too concerned. Tom Brady, still the best quarterback of all time. He's going to run into some challenges along the way, but I think they still should be the Super Bowl favorites when they get to the playoffs. Lastly, number five, let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys against the Minnesota Vikings. Cowboys finally earning my respect I have been a hater of the Cowboys for quite some time. I, I just don't think that they're a Super Bowl caliber team, and I still think it's going to be a very, very, very hard road with the loaded NFC if they do want to get there. But they looked good with Cooper Rush in at quarterback. He had 325 yards and two touchdowns against a decent Vikings defense. They completely shut down Kirk Cousins, only 184 yards and a touchdown for him. Um, Dalvin Cook only had 78, 78 yards. This Dallas Cowboys defense, who was a complete mess last year, has turned into a very, very solid unit. Um, you could even say a strength. The Cowboys rushing offense has continued to improve. Ezekiel Elliott is having a great year. And when Dak Prescott comes back, he's going to continue to throw the ball all over the field. CeeDee Lamb had 112 yards receiving. Amari Cooper had 122 yards receiving. Uh, they had eight catches and six catches, respectively. And that's with Cooper Rush as their quarterback. I don't think Cooper Rush is that good. I just think the Vikings could not game plan for both quarterbacks. Um, they did not know that Dak Prescott wasn't starting until the minute before the game, which was a very strategic move by the Cowboys, I think. I think, I think they knew that Dak Prescott was not going to play, but they didn't want to let the Vikings know too much ahead of time. Dak will be back next week, and they'll continue to win games, I think. Six and one right now. They're looking very, 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 very good. Um, and I, I gotta say, I doubted them. I did not think that they were going to be able to stay healthy this year. I did not think that Mike McCarthy was going to be able to lead this team to victory. And even though I still have questions about him, they've played well enough to be a contender in the NFC. And if I'm a Cowboys fan today, I am super excited. And I think that's valid because of what they've been able to do so far. As far as the Vikings go, 
Mike Zimmer, if they do not make the playoffs this year, Mike Zimmer needs to be fired. I'll give them a little bit of grace. They're four, they're three and four. Their four losses have been to the Cowboys, the Cardinals, the Browns, and the Bengals, who are all playoff teams, in my opinion. All of them have been one-score games, and they've all come down to the final seconds. In the Bengals and Cardinals case, down to kicks and missed kicks. But they're looking up at the Packers still, who have gone through so much turmoil over the offseason and who are still playing amazing. The Vikings want to be associated with the Packers more than they are with the Bears and Lions. You know, they're right now they're kind of in that middle area where while the Bears and Lions look like poverty franchises, they just do not look good. And while the Packers look really, 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 really good, where do we sit? The Vikings do not want to be down there with the Bears and Lions in the public eye. And I don't know if Mike Zimmer is going to be able to hold on to his job if they don't make the playoffs. Some of these decisions, having it first and goal and not scoring, um, not being able to stop Cooper Rush, it just it, it doesn't look good for him. I, I honestly think that the, the Vikings have the pieces to be a playoff team and make a run. They have a good enough offense. They have a good enough defense. Not an elite offense and not an elite defense. But while they have these pieces in place, Mike Zimmer needs to make the most of them. The Vikings just can't settle for wasting Dalvin Cook's career, wasting Jefferson's career, and wasting all that money that they paid Kirk Cousins. I mean, it's a struggle. And, and, and Vikings fans understand this struggle, that every time they go into one of these close games, they, are, are, they expect to lose. And that, that's a really hard thing to deal with. And a lot of that has to come back on coaching. You know, they question, we're so close every time. We're there. We look so good sometimes. And then it just, it just doesn't, it doesn't materialize. And so he needs to turn it around quickly. Otherwise he's going to be out. That seven seed in the NFC is attainable for honestly any team except the Lions right now. And so they need to go grab that. They have the best talent of any of those teams that are going for that spot right now. They need to go take that spot and that might save Mike Zimmer's job. And it might not. It was a fun game. It's always fun to watch the Vikings in prime time because you know it's going to be a close game. However, you also know that they are not going to win because they can't win these big games. They can't compete in big moments. They can't stop defenses when they're driving. They can't finish off drives. In big games, whatever it is, Kirk Cousins, there's part of the blame is there. Part of the blame is on the, the coaching staff. They just can't seem to get it done. And that's a problem. And I don't think Vikings fans are going to stand for it much longer. Let's talk some other storylines from the week. The Patriots, they looked very good against the Chargers. They shut down Justin Herbert, who had another bad day. Mac Jones looked pretty decent. The run game was able to play really well. And they outcoached the Chargers team, who has not looked very good lately, but still a playoff team. And, and they outcoached them, they outplayed them, and they got out with a win. This is the brilliance of Bill Belichick. Even when they do not have good teams, good rosters, enough talent. He's able to pull out wins. And I'm not saying they're going to be a playoff team, but right now they certainly look like they can be. There's no reason that they can't make the playoffs. I'm not saying they'll go far, but there's no reason they can't make the playoffs. They beat some very good teams, this Chargers team included. All props go to Bill Belichick. He does not quit. It doesn't matter who is on his team. He's going to find a way to get wins, and he's doing it so far. They're 4-4 four and four and have looked very good so far. As far as the Chargers go... I'm a little concerned. Uh, Justin Herbert has not looked very good the last few weeks against the Ravens and the Patriots. The Chargers offense got slowed down. Joe Lombardi, the offensive coordinator, 
need, needs to change something up quickly because they're not going to win. Their defense is not good enough to have a stale offensive performance. They need everything they can from their offense. Similarly to the Chiefs, they were able to do it at the beginning of the year. And so I'm not sure if they're going through a dry spell or teams have just been able to figure out Justin Herbert. But they need to get it going, and they need to get it going quickly. The Chargers' rushing attack actually looked very good for the first time this year. 163 yards, they had two huge plays. They were able to finish both those drives with those big plays. But after that, in the second half especially, the offense just looked terrible. Um, They did have one garbage time touchdown to keep it close, but this game was not as close as it seems. Justin Herbert had a pick six that it looked like everyone gave up on the play. It looked like there was a lot of miscommunication. It looked like everyone had some sort of different idea of where they were going with the ball and what they were doing offensively. So they need to fix that. I mean, they had a bye week. There's no excuse for coming out unprepared uh, against the Patriots this week. Historically, though, the Patriots have always had the Chargers number. Back in the days of Phillip Rivers, they were never able to beat the Patriots, especially in the playoffs. Last year, the Patriots dominated the Chargers, and this week they were able to do it as well. A very concerning look for the Chargers offense. Defense played okay, but they need to go out and beat the Eagles next week. Otherwise, there's going to be a lot of concern about this Chargers team, and the coaching staff is already getting questioned. They're already getting questioned after seven games. I'll give them credit. The special teams looked much better this week. Kicking game with Dustin Hopkins was much better. He didn't miss a kick, which is rare for a Chargers kicker. The return game looked much better. No fumbles, no bad plays. So I want to see that with the offense. I know they're struggling with some injuries on the offensive line, but this coaching staff needs to put it together. They got hired for a reason, and I think fans want to see it at this point. Losses to the Patriots like that, it's just not going not gonna to do it for that coaching staff. We'll talk about some other AFC West teams. First, the Chiefs. Again, just not impressive. It was just not impressive. And and I don't think that's a bad thing. They were able to get with the win, which is good. But there's nothing that you look at and say, oh, that's the Chiefs. There's nothing that you go, oh, that's impressive. Oh, that's awesome. Like we're used to this, right? Every single week we're used to, wow, did you see that play by the Chiefs? There was one like sidearm throw by Patrick Mahomes. It was all right. But there was nothing like, wow, this Chiefs team looks really, really good. This team looks like a Super Bowl contender. No, it was it was kind of like, oh, they they oh oh okay they 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 beat the Giants they beat the Giants barely and they needed a few Danny Jones mistakes and an interception that got called back to do so. So I'm I'm not impressed by the Chiefs at all. I'm glad they were able to get out with the win and they're four and four they're five hundred. But against a bad Giants team, I mean, the Giants have nobody out there on offense. They are just struggling with injuries all over the place and the Chiefs weren't even able to stop them. Daniel Sorensen needs to be cut. He is terrible. I mean, he is really, really bad. It is actually hilarious to watch them play. When John Ross is getting 72 yards of receptions against your defense, it's probably not a good sign. When the Giants' offense is missing like five of their star players, and they're still going to put up 300 yards, I mean, that's not a good look. It's just not a good look, and, and the Chiefs need to figure it out. I don't know what's going on with them right now. Patrick Mahomes had another interception. One of them got called back. That would have lost them the game. So once they start playing better teams, I mean, there's no guarantee that they make the playoffs at this point. Like I said, I'm glad they got out with the win. I'm not trying to hate on them. But something's got to change quickly. I mean, the the Chiefs stadium wasn't even full last night. I mean, that's crazy. This is a team that is expected to win the Super Bowl, and they can't even fill a stadium because their fans know, oh, this is not looking good. We've had some tough, tough weeks. 
we've had some tough games and we have not looked special. They need to turn it around and, and honestly, they need to do it quickly. I don't want to hate on them, but they're just not impressing anyone right now. Their division rival Raiders are in another very, very tough situation. Henry Ruggs, I, I do not have a lot of respect. We don't know all the details yet. I do not have a lot of respect for guys who willingly throw away their NFL careers. There are so many people who are waiting for that opportunity, who their dream is to be in the NFL. And for you to be a star in the league and choose to go out and drive while you're intoxicated, there's no excuse. And so when you take somebody's life while doing that, I have no tolerance for you. Now, there may be more information that comes out that changes my opinion on this. But there is no reason that this guy should play another snap in the NFL. The league cannot have tolerance for guys. Granted, they've, they've shown tolerance for before. They've shown tolerance for people who have gotten domestic issues and, and, and done some really bad things. But when you get behind the wheel of a car, when you are too intoxicated to drive and you take somebody else's life, I don't believe that you should deserve the life that you had before in the NFL. You have one of the greatest opportunities and you are willingly throwing it away. As far as the Raiders go, I mean, this, this year just couldn't get any more tumultuous. I mean, obviously all the stuff about John Gruden, now we have this, it's the Raiders, they're in Las Vegas. There were a lot of questions coming in to the year about Vegas players. Is that a good place for young NFL guys who grew up in rural Southern towns to be? And after seeing this latest problem with Henry Ruggs, I'm starting to think the answer is it's probably not a great place to have young kids be. There's just too much temptation in Vegas to be able to focus on football. But I have to give credit to the Raiders. I mean, they're winning. They're winning games. They have dealt with all this outside noise, all this questions, all this internal struggle, and they're 5-2. and two, And they're top of their division. And it looks like a playoff team at the moment. And, and I think all the credit has to go to Derek Carr. I am so, so impressed by what I've seen from Derek Carr this season. I mean, this guy has seen his coach leave, and now he is seeing his best wide receiver, arguably, probably be done for the season, if not his career. And I still don't have a doubt that Derek Carr is going to come out there every single week and be ready to play. And so I give him huge props for that. They're 5-2. and two. They had a bye this week, and they're, they're going to be ready to go next week. Regardless of what happens around them, I think that the Raiders know who they are and they know what they need to do. They're going to fight for it. And I respect them for that. Obviously, a super tough situation with Henry Ruggs and we're waiting to hear more. But like I said, not a lot of respect for guys who willingly throw away their NFL careers, especially when they take the life of somebody else while doing it. On a lighter note, but also a sad note, Von Miller's heading to the Rams, which is great for him because he has a chance to win a Super Bowl uh, with one of the most fun teams in the league in L.A. So I'm very excited for Von Miller. He's regressed a bit, but now he gets a chance to go play for Sean McVay, which I think any guy in the NFL would love to do. But for the Broncos, I mean, that's hard. That's hard to let a guy leave your facility who's been the identity of your team for so long. When you think of the Broncos, you think of Von Miller. You think of him sitting on that defense and sacking opposing quarterbacks. 
I like what they got for him, though. I do. I think he was probably going to walk in free agency at the end of the year. Um, this Broncos team isn't a Super Bowl team, so there's no reason that they can't capitalize on the assets that they have now. He wasn't playing a big enough role where their season is going to go down the hill without him. And they got a second and a third, and I think that's a pretty good return for a older player that doesn't have much time left on his contract. There is an argument where, oh, he's our best player, arguably in the last 20 years, and so why are we getting rid of him? Because we want him to retire as a team, but I'm sure he is probably like, yeah, I'd rather be with the Rams um, and, and going for a Super Bowl and playing with Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, which is going to be an incredible defense. I'm excited. for. I'm, I'm really excited to watch it. The Rams continue to trade away their picks. They've traded away basically all of their picks for this year and next year. And so, I mean, it's win now. If they do not win a Super Bowl, it's going to be looked at as, man, they traded away a lot of capital, a lot of their future, and didn't get it done. So the expectations have risen even more than they already have. They need to win the Super Bowl in this year or next year or coming up soon. Otherwise, I think it'll be viewed as not a success which is a lot of expectations, and it's going to be hard because there are some very good teams in the NFC like we've talked about. But I love it. I love it. They're going after a guy like Von Miller, and they're like, hey, you're going to play an even bigger role on our team than you did on the Broncos um, on this amazing defense that has an electric offense. So super excited for the Rams. Obviously hard for Broncos fans to see one of their favorite players go. I couldn't imagine. You know, if you've grown up as a Broncos fan watching Von Miller and all of a sudden he's in a different uniform, that's that's really tough, but I think the deal definitely makes sense for both sides when you look at it logically with no emotion. And lastly, I want to talk about the Browns for a bit. I know I've been pretty negative this show because there's a lot of teams who have been underperforming that it's just kind of frustrating to watch. And the Browns are one of those teams, and I'm really not sure what's going on, and I, I honestly don't think it's Baker Mayfield. A lot of the blame has gone on Baker Mayfield, and I am not one of those people. He is playing with a lot of fight. He is playing injured. He is trying to will his team to victory, and they continue to just sell it for him. I know he's made some bad throws, and I know he has not been able to finish when he needed to. But this week, they had the chance to win, and a Jarvis Landry fumble sold him out. A lot of um, drops by Jarvis Landry. They're not utilizing Odell Beckham Jr. Their defense did not play super well. I know they only gave up 15 points, but they didn't really play their best when it mattered. So I think the, I think the Browns organization needs to take a step back and say, if we're not using Odell, let's, let's get rid of him, okay? Um, Jarvis Landry is not performing the way we need him to. Why are we paying him $15 million a year? When there are guys who would probably fill that spot better. Don't put all the blame on Baker Mayfield. There is some to blame. He, he is to blame for some of their problems. You saw him get hit get fired up, um, pump his fist in the air and fire up the crowd. I love that from Baker. But then the next play, Jarvis Landry fumbles the ball and they lose the game. That's really tough. That Steelers team is not very good. And the Browns made them look pretty good. Cleveland's sitting at the bottom of their division right now. And that is not where anybody expected them to be. I expected them to be a division winner and a Super Bowl contender. And that's not what they are right now. And it's tough to see. I think the Browns front office needs to take a step back and say, we're paying a lot of money to either guys that we are not using or who are underperforming, especially Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. And now we'll move into my top 10 rankings after week eight. This one was super interesting because there 
were a lot of teams that were at the top who lost to teams who were below them. So there's a lot of sliding around, a lot of movement, um, but let's get into it. Number 10, I have the Saints, and I want to put them higher. However, without Jameis Winston, I'm not super confident in them. But they're 5-2, and two and they beat some really good teams, so I think they deserve to be number 10. Number 9, I have the Bengals. They're going to drop four spots from last week because of that loss to the Jets. That's a tough loss, but the Jets are fiery, and we saw what they did to the Titans. Um, they did it again to the Bengals, so I'll put the Bengals at 9. Number 8, I have the Ravens. They were inactive this week, but obviously we've seen what they've done throughout the course of the year. I did have them ahead of the Bengals because they did not lose to the Jets. I know the Bengals dominated them last week, but obviously they're only two-loss team, and the Bengals are a three-loss team with a loss to the Jets. Number seven, I have the Titans. They continue to improve. I would have them probably higher if it wasn't for the loss of Derrick Henry. That's a super tough loss, like I said. Titans are a really good team, though, even without Derrick Henry, so I have them at seven. Number six, I have the Bills, and this is the highest-ranked AFC team, which is really weird. NFC is super, super top-heavy this year. Um, I like what the Bills have done. They didn't look as impressive as I wanted them to against the Dolphins. But Josh Allen still played well enough to get that game and their defense. I mean, their defense just continues to impress. Only 11 points given up this game again. So I have the Bills at six. Number five, the Bucks only dropped four spots for losing to the Saints. They had the chance to win. So I'm not going to dock them too much for that. They are a two-loss team now, though. So I have the Bucks at five. They will move up probably if they can get some more wins against better opponents. Number four, I have the Cowboys. Like I said, they have looked very good. Cooper Rush was able to come in, take over for Dak Prescott, and still look very good. Number three, this might be surprising, I have the Rams. I know that they've looked really good, but I'm not going to move them ahead of the Cardinals, who I have it too, because the Cardinals looked really, really dominant against the Rams when they played each other. And so I still, they both only have one loss, so I'm not going to move the Cardinals behind the Rams just yet. Rams at three, I have the Cardinals at two, like I said, because they lost to the number one team, the Packers. They just looked amazing the last seven weeks. They obviously lost week one and since have looked really good. I think they've earned it. They've been the best team. They beat the Cardinals. I think we're starting to develop a hierarchy here. We've got the Packers at number one. They've looked the best, but they beat the Cardinals, who beat the Rams, who beat the Bucks. So the NFC is kind of falling into line here, but I have the Packers at the top. And lastly, the clutch factor player of the week. This is the player that played their best when it mattered the most. And I think this week, the only possible option for this trophy is Cooper Rush. Drove his team down the field in the final seconds, getting them the win in his first NFL start. He looked great. He played his best when it matters the most, and that's the definition of the award. So Cooper Rush is week eight clutch factor player of the week. Thank you so much for listening. That is all I have for you today. I've been experimenting with a little bit of a less structured, uh, less scripted type of show. So if you have any feedback, let me know. But as always, I appreciate you listening. We will be back here next week for the NFL Week 9 Review.